Hello! Thank you guys so much for coming to this video today. I really appreciate it. This is the Cardano Aura podcast. We bring those that are valuable in the Cardano ecosystem on the podcast to learn from them and learn what they're building because, you know, those that build in this ecosystem usually have the the best knowledge, you know, about the upcoming hard forks, uh, about the future of Cardano. And today, I actually have Stephen. He's the founder of Vi Finance. This is our third podcast get together. How are you doing today, Stephen? I'm fantastic. Uh, Pay and yourself? I'm doing wonderful, and we've got something special for you today. On screen, you can see it right now. We've got a Vi Finance purple NFT. The floor right now is 640, uh, so you actually have the chance. If you stay till the end of this video, we're going to give you details on how you can actually enter the giveaway for a 640 ADA NFT, so very exciting there. Very briefly, for those that haven't watched our previous podcast, what is Vi Finance? Absolutely. Uh, so Vi Finance is an upcoming DeFi ecosystem on Cardano. We're building a DEX, which is going to be integrated with what we call the BAR, which is a distributive mechanism to share fees that are generated from our DEX to the holders of our token. And we're then building an auto harvester, which will essentially be an AI that manages liquidity farming on behalf of users so that users who don't necessarily have the skills to manage those liquidity farms themselves and to manage the risk that's involved are able to get a tool that allows them to still engage in an easy manner. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, one issue that I run into when I introduce people to crypto is, you know, all of the applications that they have to use, you know, is one of your focuses increasing the accessibility for new users because they don't have to harvest and they, you know, essentially have one portfolio of assets that they can put their aid into? That's exactly it. I couldn't have described it better myself. So the way that we want to be distinguishing our risks for the users is rather than having to manage an individual tokens, it's called impermanent risk when you're dealing with liquidity pools. I won't go too in-depth into it. It's basically that you can hold more or less of a token depending on how much that token is worth at a given point in time. And if you've supplied lots of tokens to decentralized finance protocols and those tokens start moving rapidly, you can start to see that the amount of each token that you're holding changes, which changes the value of your portfolio. So that risk is called impermanent risk. And we're essentially building a system to automatically manage impermanent risk on behalf of the user based on the risk that they're willing to take on. So if you want a low risk portfolio, we will have a pre-made low risk portfolio. You want a high risk portfolio, we'll have a high risk degening portfolio. You want a stable coin portfolio, we'll hold a stable coin portfolio. And that will allow the users to not even have to think too heavily, just pick what risk level they want and they can begin engaging with the ecosystem. Awesome. So what DEXs are people going to, you know, be allowed to interact with? Is it going to be solely a Vi Finance DEX or is it, you know, DEXs right. that people have heard of, you know, say Sunday Swap, Men Swap, Ring, Wing Riders? Absolutely. So part of any, I would say, good risk management system is diversification. <laughs> Excuse me. So even if, you know, it is... It is tempting to, not tempting, that's the wrong words. It sounds like it's a good idea to put your money that you're accruing through your investors into your own platform. That's what, from a business perspective, seems like is the most obvious thing to do. But if you do that, then you're holding all of their risk on your platform. Now, whilst I certainly believe our platform is safe, and I believe that it will be safe into the future, we can't know what the future holds. And to ensure that you're managing risk correctly, you should be distributing across multiple platforms so that you don't have one single point of failure. That's just basic investment management principles, right? Yeah. Now, within that, we want to be using most of the major DEXs that have been audited and are trustworthy. So MinSwap, 
wing riders once they're ordered once they're fully audited and trustworthy will cert- which will be fairly soon right we're going to be we'll certainly be engaging with that dex there we'll be looking at dexes coming that are coming up in the future uh, and also lending protocols such as meld um liquid because we want to ensure that we do have a diversified portfolio and that we're accessing yields from more than just one source yeah yeah you know and on top of diversifying risk, it's really important to diversify rewards as well. Cause you know, sometimes on Sunday swap, it'll be 30%. Whereas on min swap, it's 200, you know, so mm-hmm. it's important to use these different DEXs cause the APR doesn't always line up, uh, especially, you know, attached to the risk. So that's it. And that's when, and just briefly, that's when you do, you know, you use that fact to distribute it appropriately. So if Sunday is paying twice as much as, or Sunday, as an example, is paying twice as much as min, You'd put three quarters in Sunday and a quarter in Min to hedge out that risk a little bit. That way you're accessing most of the larger rewards, but you don't have all your eggs in the one basket. Yeah, of course. And you know, that's not the only, you know, product that you guys are gonna offer. Currently you guys have a lot more on your site as well. You know, you guys have a governance tab, you have, you know, an NFT sale coming up, which we'll get into in a little bit. Uh, and you also have vaults. Can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, the uh, the token vault feature? Absolutely. So token vaults is essentially a mixture of a launch pad and a reward system. So we do have some IFOs, which are initial farm offerings, which are projects that have never released their token before and want to get their token out to their community. We also have a Twitter space that we invite those projects on to come and talk to our community about what they're doing each week. Oh, each fortnight, sorry. And then we have a uh, we have established tokens and established projects that also come on board to expand their communities to try and... Um, get their token out to new people. And also because a lot of them hold Wi-Fi as well. (laughs) We did have one project in particular that were like, oh, if I have Wi-Fi tokens and I can farm our token through Wi-Fi, I can finally get some more of our token. Hmm. I'm not going to name any names, but that was a very funny conversation. That is funny. Um, You you mentioned that it's also, (laughs) you know, a launch pad. Uh, What are some of the projects that have launched on here that you're most excited about? Uh, I would say the one that we held that has just launched now, I don't think their vault is closed yet, was Kirkstone. Kirkstone is an incredibly exciting project. They're looking to build essentially a real estate trust on the blockchain, whereby users are able to use their token to purchase, uh, to pay for rent, and they manage properties and allow users to have discounted rental costs through using the blockchain. Similarly, they want to be expanding that into an Airbnb type structure down the line where users are able to leverage the blockchain to be able to make a more efficient payer to pay a system for Airbnb rather than having that giant Airbnb in the middle that takes 15% from the renter and 15% from the customer. Yeah, that is that is very exciting. So in your governance tab, is that strictly for Wi-Fi governance or do you think that you'll That's also... That's Wi-Fi governance. Okay. And actually, we, we're just about to release a big upgrade to our Wi-Fi governance right now. Uh, because we've just been working with MinSwap to be able to integrate all the people that are holding liquidity in the Wi-Fi ADA liquidity pool on MinSwap. So now those users are also going to be able to vote, and we're coming out with a good three or four new governance votes, including we're redoing an old one, because now we can include the people that it impacts the most, which are the MinSwap, whether we should swap some MinSwap token for Wi-Fi. Uh, So that one should be coming out in the next week once we finish testing out the process with MinSwap. So that's been about two weeks work, three weeks work or more. It's been about a month and a half's work Uh, hooking up with them and getting ourselves linked to all their systems. So we can basically at any point in time be tracking what wallets hold how much Wi-Fi in the liquidity pool. So users that provide, you know, ADA and Wi-Fi as liquidity will still be able to use their Wi-Fi tokens to vote. Correct. Is there any incentive for voting 
on Wi-Fi proposals? Uh, no, there's no incentive for voting at the moment, uh, other than the fact that you get to have your say in issues that may impact your investment. Down the line, we will certainly be looking at ways to incentivize, but at the same time, a little bit... Uh, I don't necessarily agree in incentivizing people to vote using the governance token itself, because to me that just seems like robbing Peter to pay Paul. That doesn't just seem like, that's just giving your users more of your own currency, which deflates it. I generally try to avoid deflationary tactics to push a product. That's fair. So, you know, you guys have also done a few different NFTs. You know, one of the ones that we're giving away today is the NFT purple. Uh, you guys also have another, you know, sale coming tomorrow, the Wi-Fi NFT white sale. You know, mm -hmm. what, what is that NFT? What does it do? And, you know, how is it unique? Yeah, absolutely. So that NFT white is essentially a lower point of cost entry of our purple NFT to allow users to engage with our NFT farming. So we've got a few exclusive white vaults that are going to be launching at the same time. I won't, this will probably come out. When is this being launched? Will this be Friday. 24 hours? Friday. Perfect. So it'll already be out. So at the moment, it looks as if we're certainly going to be launching with a Kirkstone. We're going to be launching with a log vault. We're going to be launching with a new Wi-Fi vault, of course, for the whites and also extending our current purple. And we're looking to have either Meld or Goat's Tribes, maybe both. We'll find out when it happens. Uh, but you guys will know by the time this is launched. And then users are going to be able to stake those NFTs to earn the rewards that uh, are given. The APRs at the moment are looking around the 20 to 30% mark. So users so can actually purchase these NFTs. Once they purchase the NFT, they can stake it into a contract and then earn different tokens. You mentioned one of those is the Wi-Fi token, also the Kirk token as well. Can So users essentially, once they have the NFT, they take it and then they select what staking contract they would like to be a part of, and then they'll earn that respective token. That's exactly it. So it's, it's very similar to a launch pad that's being run or launch pad or a staking pool or a staking, a staking mechanism that's being run through an NFT. And that NFT delivers, you know, for the life of our platform, there's going to be staking pools for those NFTs. So yeah, it's essentially uh, ideally, and it will be in the terms and conditions that lifelong does mean for the life of the company, not forever immemorial. <laughs> but uh, for, we had the intention for the life, for the period of the life of this company, that will be being delivered farms and we'll be using that as a launch pad. So newer tokens, particularly once we get farming out on our decks, we want to be moving a lot of those newer tokens that we're also releasing through our token vaults and moving that to much more focused on our NFTs. And our token is going to be far more focused on the bar. So what's in it for, you know, Meld or Kirk, you know, to be a part of these farms? Yeah, it's particularly the very NFT focused projects. Uh, what's in it for them is very much a case of they get their word out or their product out and people who are very interested in NFTs are going to be coming and have a look, having a look at that, right? In the circumstance of someone like Goats Tribes or so, we have had a few NFT projects, C4S, um, which is a Cardano racing game. They want to be focusing their market towards people that are interested in NFTs. Our gold, purple, and white NFT holders are already dedicated NFT holders that are going to become interested in projects. And when they see NFTs, we already know that they're not hesitant to purchase an NFT. So in that regard, you're able to get a more dedicated audience for the product that you're trying to release. Sorry. Rather than doing it through tokens, which are more focused on the token market. Yeah, that makes sense. It's, you know, users, token distribution, uh, you know, ad space, essentially. Uh, you exactly. guys are also doing a, um, uh, you have a project catalyst proposal. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I saw essentially 
building on Cardano is very expensive and it's, this is our first time attempting a catalyst. We thought we would like to be much more, we want to get more involved in the community in that regard, right? Rather than seeking out VC funds and trying to get private investment where we have to dump a lot of our token. Uh, we've been around in the community for a year and a half, two years now. Uh, we're a fairly well-known project. We've got a fairly large following. We want to be able to leverage the Cardano community and be able to get funds without damaging the actual holders of our token, which is what to me VC funds do. They don't necessarily do it instantaneously, but at some point in time, it's going to happen. They will, yeah. Um, so we released our Catalyst proposal to complete the our bar and our decks, and that's got the full timeline and costings of everything we're going to do for our bar and our decks, and goes quite <clears> in depth as to how the integration is a unique product and how it's going to be trying to deal with the issue of infinitely minting a token to provide rewards. And that's where our big philosophy to the decks that we're constructing comes from, right? We see a lot of dexes in the current environment that will just mint their token, mint their token, mint their token, and they don't have any kind of layer that supports the value of their token whilst it's being minted. Uh, what we want to be able to do is build a sustainable deck, so to speak, whereby if a token's being minted, it's being counterbalanced by a token that's being bought back through fees that are generated through in our ecosystem, whether that be from our NFT royalties, whether that be from our... Um, I've forgotten the word now, from our farms, uh, swaps on our decks, which are collecting fees, whether that be from our auto harvester down the line, which will be sending the fees through to the bar. Uh, all these mechanisms are supporting the value of that token that's being minted. Thereby, we're aiming to reach a point where we're in balance, where the amount that's being minted matches the amount that's being bought, or ideally the amount that's being minted is um, less than the amount that's being bought in which case we would actually have an inflation to our token rather than a deflation. So yeah, that, ma that makes a lot of sense specifically, you know, not using VCs to, you know, eventually dump the token in the future. And that's one of the most beautiful things about Cardano, in my opinion, is this idea of, you know, a fair token launch and actually being able to use the you know decentralized treasury to fund out your applications. How much are you guys asking for uh, out of price? Well, uh, yeah, that's, I believe we're asking for one of the biggest in Cardano's history. Uh, it's about 1.6 million. But it's about 15% of the total fund that's being offered. Yeah, now, that there's is 8 million in this one. Yeah, that is the cost of development. Um, it is. That's not saying that we're not funded, but I mean, when we saw such a large fund, and this is our first ever Catalyst proposal, we thought, let's go for the cost of development. You know, why? Then we can spend the rest of it on marketing and actually building, you know, our community and building out as good a experience for our user base as possible. Um, in future, if this one doesn't get approved, we're going to be splitting it up into smaller, more manageable bites and just going for smaller bits at a time. But this is our first ever attempt at a catalyst and, you know, you learn the lessons as you do them. Uh, but we do hope that we can get the support and we can get out as much of that as possible in this catalyst, because that means that we're going to be able to look, essentially, it's not a secret is that the more money you have to build something, the better that something is. Yeah. Up until a certain point, but you know, the, up until a the, certain point. the million's not there yet. Usually when you get you know, maybe 50 million, you start running into the Tron scenario where you raise 3 billion and don't know what to do with it, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree with you there. There is up to a certain point. But as you know, from a developer, from a developer perspective, uh, one of the assessors even even read out, uh, one of the assessors even did the numbers. It looks like a very big number. But when you look at the hours that we have for development versus the size of our development team, it comes out to an average of about $80 an hour per developer, which is, you know, the cost of development pretty much yeah. anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. um, 
I wish it didn't take that many hours to develop new technology, but <laughs> welcome to the world of new technology. And welcome to Cardano. You know, you got extended yeah, UTXO, you got an entirely new contract, you know, so <laughs> there's a lot more development that needs to be done without uh, all of the existing tooling that's, you know, on a blockchain like ETH, for example. Absolutely. That's it. So moving forward, you know, how does ViFi differ from, you know, say Genie's Yield? Uh, in a few ways. Um, look, let's start with the AI model. Uh, they haven't confirmed what artificial intelligence model they're using. We're going to be, we're fairly certain we're going to be using a neural net. So we've determined our AI model that we're going to be using. I'm not going to go into too much detail on that. That's many videos of me talking about that. I even spoke about it at a few conferences that we have up on YouTube. If you want to see those, just go to the Wi-Fi YouTube channel. And we've got a, essentially, essentially the biggest, because we are partnered with Genius Yield, right? What our job is as an auto harvester is fairly similar. Right, They're going to have different investments to what we have because we're going to have different systems that are going to be putting money in different places. So the returns will be different. The risk levels will be different. I don't know what will be what yet because they're not built and we can't really compare. Right, They've got a different back end in the way that they're functioning, but we want to be looking fairly similar to the front end for a user. But rather than competing against each other, we both realize that it makes a lot more sense to have two hedge fund type instruments on the blockchain than one hedge fund type instrument. And using each other's platforms we can actually use each other's platforms to lay off risk right so give users on our platform a little bit of genius yield risk they give users on their platform a little bit of wi-fi risk and that way we can ensure we can actually get a better performance together than we would just having one single system working on the blockchain um i guess it's what's our major difference our model does that make much sense to most people not really <laughs> but it is a very big fundamental difference yeah. So, you know, let's say, uh, you know, when you guys actually release the decks and, you know, people are able to actually use these financial instruments, what is next? You know, let's say on a, a two to three year timeline. Yeah, our, our entire focus is to be building out as many income streams to the bar as possible. So we want to be making sure that we can continue supplying as much upwards pressure to our token through our distributive mechanism to be offsetting the minting of our token on our decks. So that means we want to be expanding the likes of our hedge fund. And from there, it becomes a job of management because all you know funds require management. That's how it works. And it's about ensuring that we can get as many people aware of the existence of our product so that we can be bolstering as much as possible the amount of funds that are being delivered through to our bar. Now, part of that is further down the line. I don't know if it's two, three years, probably more three, probably more four years or so. We want to be creating a fiat on-ramp for users to be able to access our auto harvester through an app on their phone. That way, they're actually going to be able to just put in micropayments, you know, $20 at a time, $30 at a time, and access an auto harvester on the blockchain without having to think about cryptocurrency. Now, we think if we can get a system like that for the average everyday user who doesn't use cryptocurrency to be able to engage, that will give us a very big bolstering to our actual distributive mechanism for our token, giving a lot more support to our token. Um, in the long run. That's going to be the next phase once we finish our auto harvester on the blockchain. We want to then give it the fiat on ramp. Um, have you guys, are you guys integrated with, say, you know, Eternal Wallet in the DAP store? Are you integrated yes. with Lace, you know, when, when Lace has that ability as well? Because to me, that's a, a good way to give accessibility to mobile users considering Eternal is already on the phone. 
yes, we certainly do have access to Eternal Wallet. Uh, we have, I want to, we have Lint Wallet. We have Nami. We've got about six wallets that you can connect to on our site, or four, four to six wallets that you can connect to on our site. But Eternal is certainly one of them. Okay, and you know, have you used the actual Eternal DApp Store? Are you guys integrated with that as well, or is that something that's? Oh, we haven't used the Eternal DApp Store actually. I'm going to ask you to send me a link to that after this so we can get on that. Yeah, yeah, I'll send you the link. I think it would be great for you guys to be on there because, you know, when you have Eternal on your phone, you can't connect it with Brave or Chrome. Uh, whereas, you know, the actual internal DAP store on Eternal, you can be on your phone, click the DAP store, and do a swap on JPEG or, you know, maybe provide yeah. a purple NFT all from your phone. Uh, so I think yeah. that would be pretty cool for, you know, accessibility. That does sound really cool. I'm going to definitely hit up Eternal about that next week, particularly with the NFT at the moment and the token staking. That sounds like it'd be really cool. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Thank so you. what has your experience been with, you know, the Vasil hard fork? You know, there's a lot of new changes coming to Cardano. There's a lot of utility being added. Uh, you know, one, what is your experience? Um, and then I'll ask another question after that. Um, so far, the experience has been pretty good. The IOHK have been very open and communicative with the projects that are building. They released it to the testnet, I want to say three weeks ago. Might have been like three and a half weeks ago. I think and it was three. Yeah, three. Um, I remember the we were in a big group call with a lot of projects, probably about 30 projects with, the, with a few IOHK representatives like an hour before it was released and they were really, really excited. <laughs> that sounds like a pretty um, cool phone call. Yeah, it was. And then they had, uh, and then they've essentially been listening to us with the issues that we've been having. And that's part of the reason why Vasil has been delayed a little. It's because projects have been saying, oh, this is turning out to be a little bit tougher than we expected, which is fine. It's all just a learning experience, right? We have to learn yeah. how to integrate it. It just didn't plop in the exact way that we expected, I guess you'd say. Uh, at least that's how it's happened for Wi-Fi. I'm sure every project's had their own experience, but that does seem to be a common thread amongst the projects as I've been hearing them speaking. And, but it's all going along fairly well, you know, it's mostly just a matter of debugging now. And we've spent the last sort of three days just debugging. We were all ready to release our NFT. We we're all ready to release a new form of our NFT smart contracts and the token vault smart contracts all good to go. And then now the Vazel's on testnet, it's been three, four days, the last three, four days, just debugging. <laughs> you and many other projects, I'm sure. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, it's all part of the fun. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, you know, with the Vasil hard fork, a lot of those, you know, CIPs, the Cardano improvement proposals, they actually came from the Cardano DeFi alliance specifically. Uh, you know, for Vi Finance, what utility is being added with the Vasil hard fork that's actually going to improve the user utility of your product? Mm -hmm. So I think the biggest one is going to be the capacity to send, to receive multiple requests at once. Right, so at, at the moment, there is a bit of a slowdown and we can get a backlog where we have to be sending out things one at a time. And it sometimes functions fairly slowly. And sometimes we can get a backlog on like withdrawing NFTs because the NFTs are a countdown. When the countdown ends, we suddenly get a burst of like 100 people going to withdraw their NFT at once. And that can take, you know, 20, 30 minutes, which is fine. You know, no one's, no one's losing anything, but it is nicer from a user perspective if that just happens. Right, that's what you want. You don't want people to be waiting. Yeah. So that usering that user or the easeability of use in that regard, I think is going to be greatly up is going to be greatly upgraded with the release of Vasil. Awesome. Now, another thing that Vasil is bringing is a bunch of little back end improvements 
that we think is going to be making it a lot easier to handle data essentially on the back end. And improved data handling means that you have reduced code size, which means that you've got reduced transaction fees. So this one won't probably won't be immediate, but in the sort of the next few months, I imagine that we'll be able to sort of work back that transaction fee that we're receiving for using smart contracts. A yeah. little, not drastically, but you know, a little is good. Yeah, and with that transaction size being lower, that also means more transactions can fit in a block. You know, because that's it. The more data, the more you're paying for transactions and the less that can fit in the block there. That's it. So you guys are coming to the Rare Bloom. Do you have anything exciting uh, that you're going to release at the Rare Bloom? Are you excited for the event itself? I'm so excited for the event. I actually just booked my accommodation three days ago, I want to say, maybe four days ago. Um, I still haven't booked mine I yet. <laughs> haven't booked yours. You need to get on it, man. They're selling out. Like, like, yeah, I know. It's like, it's like am I going to go? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to make it or not. Yeah. And it's actually funny because my, uh, my, I guess my PA, you know, the, it's my stepbrother who is also um, the person that helps me with managing all of my appointments and managing everything that I have to do on a day-to-day -day basis, which who would have thought a CEO has to do a lot, um, <laughs> right? And basically he bought his, he's coming at our booth. He's going to be at our booth. I think we've got five or six people at our booth. And he booked his what, a month ago? And he told me that when he booked his, they were already sold out every day around the event. So I think some people are going to be staying there for a few days extra on either side. And, or maybe there's some other events. I don't know. But all I know is I shot myself and booked. Yeah. Get on that. Yeah, you definitely have to. Cause there's, um, there's a bunch of events happening like before and after they're not crypto events, but that's really what's filling up the hotel. And we've blocked out uh, a good amount for Cardano, you know, people. However, uh, you know, the days before and the days after are looking pretty rough. You might have to stay in like a, a motel somewhere nearby, you know, the airport in, well, it is yeah, near the airport. It is. Yeah. It's fortunately, it's only 15 minutes away from, um, the closest international airport. And for anyone that hasn't heard, we booked Charles Hoskinson. We're going to have him there. Uh, we've got 40 plus Cardano projects, really nothing like this has ever happened, uh, for Cardano. And it couldn't have happened, uh, the year before without Alonzo and without all of these projects actually, uh, you know, building. Um, mm -hmm. so it's so, it, it's going to be so exciting. I'm actually excited both to meet the community and to meet a lot of the other projects in person. You know, one big thing, and I'm sure you felt this as well. I've met, a, I've met quite a few projects. I've met you in person, you know, going to conferences in Miami, going to conferences, uh, in Paris, you know, talking about our project and meeting the community in general, but it's always been a little bit of Cardano and then a lot of the crypto wider crypto community that it's great because there's a lot of people to sell Cardano to and to introduce them to what we're doing. But at the same time, it's going to be lovely to just be able to meet focused on the projects that we're actually working with and the projects that are going for the same goals that we are and that we're working with on a day-to-day -day basis to make this real. Yeah. Yeah. I got a little taste of it in Wyoming. The only issue with the Cardano summit last year is that there were events all over the world, you know, so mm -hmm. we were all split up everywhere and it still was amazing though, actually getting to meet people that, uh, you know, are knowledgeable about what we're interested in and being able to learn from them. Whereas, as you mentioned, with the Bitcoin conference and many of the other wider blockchain conferences, it's it's less about learning and more about educating other people on the chain. Whereas this is going to be, you know, a bit of both learning off each other. Yeah, exactly. Which is exactly. Um, yeah, which is which is amazing. Um, and I am and I am going to be there myself. I'm so sad I missed Wyoming last year. I didn't even manage to get to a local Cardano meetup because I'm in rural Italy. 
and rural Italy did not have a Cardano meter. Did Italy have one? Yeah, they had one. No, not that I actually know of. We're actually trying to get a Cardano meetup in Milan very early, uh, early next month, which should be a bit of fun. I'm sure we'll make a group about it and ask any Italians that want to swing by to swing on by. Um, but no, at the time there wasn't. It's awesome. Well, um, is there anything that we didn't cover in this podcast today? Normally we went pretty long, but we've already done three. So we've really covered everything finance has to offer or vi finance. Vinance. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I don't think we specifically missed anything. Uh, you know, the upcoming NFT is tomorrow, and well, we launch tomorrow as of the date that we're filming this, and it will be yesterday is the date that it's released. Yep. And I'm really excited for that. Definitely come on in and ask us any questions you have in our Telegram or our Discord about that, and come in and say hi. Ask us any questions that you have. Have a look at our website. Have a look at our DAP. We're one of the first DAPs. We were one of the first DAPs on Cardano. Um, and thank you so much for letting me come and speak to you, Pay. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, it is always a pleasure. I'm sure we're going to do it again. And all of those links that he just mentioned to the Discord, uh, to any of the information that you need from ViFi, they're going to be down below. If you guys do want to enter the giveaway, comment purple down below, like the video, subscribe, and then join the Discord server. Once you enter the Discord server, fill out the CAPTCHA, and then there's going to be a giveaway tab. React with a confetti symbol, and voila, you'll be entered to win a 600 ADA NFT. And uh, thank you. you know, don't, don't thank me for that one. Thanks, Stephen, uh, for the, mm -hmm. the gift that we have for us today. And thanks to everyone in your community for partaking and for listening along. Well, I appreciate you guys for tuning in. I hope you have a good day. You know, it's, uh, it's Wednesday, so I hope you have a good rest of your week or weekend now that you're watching this. So see you guys. Be safe out there.